and welcome to the Memorabilia Podcast. I'm Rick. And I'm Kate. And this is a special Memorabilia by the Sea edition. <laughs> With loads of background noise from errant teenagers and electrical appliances that we didn't realise were there until we tried to record and... Yeah, so we're going to have some fun and games tonight. Um, for anybody that's new, that's listening to us for the first time, the premise of our show is that we each pick an LP uh, for each episode from the other's collection. So that's one per episode. And this week I have picked Tracy Chapman's debut album, also titled Tracy Chapman. Let's get on with it. Another debut album then, okay. This will be the fourth one that we've covered after Soft Cell, mm-hmm. Wedding Present, and The Sundays. Uh, this was released, the Tracy Chapman album, we'll get straight into it. Released April the 5th, 1988, which made us how old? 16. 16. Just about to leave school. Exciting times. I wasn't about to leave school. Why? Oh, six four. <laughs> yeah, all right, same thing. Fair enough. Uh, and Tracy Chapman would have been aged twenty four. She's eight years older than we are. Mm-hmm. Um. So it was the first of eight studio albums she's released. Uh, the last one was a while ago. Two thousand and eight was the last one. So whether we'll hear from her again, I'm not sure. But um, this is uh, one of the few albums that we both own. In fact, I think it's the only one, isn't it? I think we figured out it's the only LP. Yeah. We've got a few CDs, but the yeah. only vinyl that we, we both owned before we met, obviously. So I picked it from your collection. So, so when did you buy it? Uh, why did you buy it? I bought it after the Free Mandela put up that year. There you go. That's a when and a why. <laughs> so you listen. You, you watched it on the TV, the concert, mm. yeah. Mm. Okay. And you went out and bought it pretty soon after. Yeah, probably the following weekend, I would imagine. Right. So where would you have gone to buy that Ipswich one? Hmm. Good question. Don't know. Was it June, the concert? So I'd have still been at school, no, because I would have been GCSE year. It was June, June the 11th. So I would have been working, hoeing beans and packing tomatoes on the farm. (laughs) (laughs) So I had some money for a change. And so I guess I probably went into Woodbridge, maybe Ipswich, the following weekend and bought it. Didn't have a favourite record shop. Just wherever. Wherever you could get your hands on it. Fair enough. So did you listen to it a lot when you got it? Can you remember? Well, yeah, because I didn't have many albums. (laughs) (laughs) So so yes. (laughs) Yeah. And also, you you know I do that thing that you hate where I just play stuff to death. And my parents were away. So I would have, for most of that summer, so I would have bought it and then just played it on repeat for like, ever. (laughs) Where were your mum and dad then? 
uh, well, they were maybe I don't know. They went on. They went caravanning a lot that oh, okay. year. So right. Oh, they had the camper van then. Oh, the caravan. They had caravan then. I think. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate that you listen to it lots and lots and lots. I just I don't like doing it because I'm because I'm weird. I worry. I worry that if I listen to stuff, I think you're more normal. I think more people listen to it like you than like me. In the back of my head, I think if I listen to things too much, I'm going to go off them too quick. Well, maybe not for that reason. Yeah, that's a bit weird. I like to. <laughs> if someone's really good, I like to eke it out and just. You think but, it's got like a a number of listens? <laughs> It'll expire. Yeah, pretty much. A lot of albums do that. Do they? There's some that don't. For me, yeah. Yeah. They like reach a. You're like reach a peak, you like listen to it because you, you know, it takes a few listens for you to kind of get into an album sometimes mm. before you kind of, you know, get into the lyrics and you're used to what bits coming next, blah, 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 probably three or four listens. And then you, it kind of reaches a, a plateau, I would say, after about. Not a crescendo, a plateau. Yeah, a plateau. <laughs> well, maybe a crescendo, I don't know. Eight, nine, ten listens, and then 12 listens, it starts to go a bit down. Really? Like, yeah, oh yeah. my God. I'm like, I'm like about 50. I'm starting to like, you know, bed in there. 50? Flipping, <laughs> heck. That's now. I mean, it might have been different back then. I mean, there is some albums that I, I keep playing and I could still play and not... The quality doesn't seem to go down, but there's others where it does peak and then drop. Okay, so... So you don't, you don't get a lot of enjoyment from a... a an LP, really, do you? I move on very quickly, yeah, it has to be said. It's... I mean, I, mine worked for me. I could, <laughs> I could pretty much wear them out, almost. <laughs> Some I can, but others, yeah, it is a kind of play them a dozen times and then done. Stuff like the Beatles, no. But other, yeah, other LPs shit. I bought. Yeah, they're shit, you wouldn't want to listen to them at all. Get out. That's the opposite. Okay, so any <clears> favourite <throat> songs on there? Have you, have you listened to it again since uh, you I've were doing I've listened this? To, like to three quarters of it and then I've never quite made it through to the end because I've just been busy. Um, yeah. But I think um, probably still Fast Car is still probably a bit of a standout one. Um, and talking about a revolution. Yeah. So they're the two that kind of come back the most. Okay. And what about, what does the album kind of mean to you? You know, is there any kind of lyrics that stand out? Is there anything, is it the music? Was it, what was it that grabbed you? Because obviously well, there was, I, I, I'll talk about the uh, Nelson Mandela concert, but there was obviously quite a few acts on there. Yeah, but most of them were like synthy, guitar-y, big sounds, yeah. you know. yeah. And then suddenly you've got this, like, one person stood on the stage with a guitar. Yeah. And and I, you know I really like stuff where the lyrics are really, like, the king of the, of the like, the mix. Yeah. That's my, like, I love a good song. <laughs> like, I like there to be a verse and a chorus and I like it to be, I like lyrics that you can hear. Yeah. And obviously her stuff delivers on all of that. So for me, I, like... It was really different from a lot of the other stuff that was around at that time. Um, and it just really stood out um, as just something different and quite powerful within that kind of moment. You know, she she was there. She wasn't very old. 
and she was stood on that massive stage in front of that enormous audience. And I mean, I, I hadn't really been to gigs and I hadn't really watched gigs before. Not not like, it wasn't so much of a thing, was it? No. So, you know, you've, and then the, the whole, like, stadium was, like, quiet and, like, it was yeah. just, it was just a moment. <laughs> well, it was for me. It, it, it was it was just a moment, and uh, not not just for you, uh, because she was kind of a little bit on the cusp reading about what happened, but not really. She, they kind of invited her along um, as a bit of a, a filler, if they could find a gap for her. So oh. she didn't actually have a slot in the, in the show, um, and. The other reason why they invited her was because of the lyrics that she'd kind of written about and the, the social and political um, elements of, of the album, really, which had only been released, what, two months before. So she wasn't, you know, she wasn't known. And um, let me just find it on my notes. But the the power of the TV, basically, the week after the concert notes. went out. Just, just <laughs> warning everybody, there's pages of notes. Oh, my God. <laughs> The album went from 25 in the UK charts to that week to number two. Uh, and it was followed quickly into the um, into the top ten by the single Fast Car following week. So, you know, it, it did resonate with a lot of people. Um, but yeah, you were right about the, the crowd, 72,000 there. 60 million TV viewers across 60 countries, I mean... Imagine knowing you're going on to that, mm. you know, and she's not, she, apparently she, you know, really she'd played a few, she was more used to playing like cafe bars and, you know, little concert halls where she lived. She'd never really done any proper headline gigs or anything, so. But I mean, that almost showed and that's almost why it was so powerful. Yeah. Because it was really quite, it was quite kind of raw in terms of her performance. Yeah. I just remember, because I thought it was a lot earlier, I looked up the running order. Yeah. And she was about maybe fifth or sixth in. Um, and I would have, or might have been more than that. I thought she was re- much earlier. I thought she was like right at the beginning. Because I don't really, I know I saw the police. But I mean, I watched the whole thing. So I yeah. saw all of it. Yeah. But I remember watching the police. But yeah. I don't really remember the other. Yeah. Um, was... I mean, I haven't re-watched them. So no, it might no. be that if I, if I saw them, I'd be like, oh, I remember that. But yeah. it just... It was so different than anything else. Yeah. And maybe partly because it was a te- not a, a, a performance that was almost, was for a cafe bar, intimate, in this massive stadium. Yeah. Yeah, well, apparently they, um, they called her three times to kind of go on. And each time they said, oh, no, no, the time is not right. It's not going to work. And sent her back to the... The dressing room or the green room or wherever she was watching it from you know so she got to the side of the stage thinking she was going on and then she weren't so imagine what that can do to your bloody nerves yeah. but um you know she so she said she wasn't sure she was going to get on but she was happy just to be there there was a lot of the musical heroes there but then she got this prime spot it was just after three o'clock that she got on um and i think there was quite a few more than half a dozen before her uh, but apparently Stevie Wonder's computerised programmes had gone missing and he wouldn't go on without them. <laughs> so, that was the second appearance, wasn't it? Not the first. 
uh, I don't know. It said here, I, I think I assumed it was the first, but yeah, she went on twice, didn't she? Mm. She did two little slots. I thought the I thought the Stevie Wonder one was the second. Okay, you could be right. I don't know. It didn't it didn't really specify, but um, she basically said she, she you know she was called on again. You know, right, you're definitely going on this time, and you know she was she can remember dragging this guitar cable behind her on on the guitar, and that was it. And she was out there, so she said it really helped. You know, she said looking back on it, she could see that she was really unprepared. But in a way, it helped her because she didn't have any time for the nerves to kick in because she thought she was going to go and just not be out there again or whatever. But yeah, so I watched I watched one of the, the songs that she did. I think she did um, she did three the first little set she did. The first one she opened was with Why. Then she did Behind the Wall, which is the domestic violence one, isn't it? Mm. And then talking about a revolution. And then when she came back on the second time, she did Fast Car and Across the Lines. So, but yeah, um, excuse me. So also on the the bill, it wasn't the police; it was Sting. Oh, okay. But okay. he could have had, he could have had like <clears throat> backing. I'm guessing he probably had backing musicians with him. George Michael did a set or a song. Eurythmics, Al Green, Joe Cocker, um, Phil Collins, Wet Wet Wet, Tony Hadley. So he wasn't there with Spandau. It was just. You know, so there was just kind of a few vocalists. John Armour trading, another fine Sheffield vocalist, Paul Carrick. Uh, I think he did How Long, which he sang with Ace. Remember that song? How Long. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fish, Brian Adams, Bee Gees, UB40, Simple Minds, Peter Gabriel, Whitney Houston, Dire Straits. So, yeah, some big stadium mm. kind of bands and acts, but also like the odd just vocalist as well. So yeah, I bet it was a, a great gig to, to go to and, and see and witness. Did you watch it? No. I, well, I might have done. I don't, I, I don't know. I couldn't remember until you, because we were talking about this the other day, weren't we, with Sam, our son. Because he, um, Sam plays guitar, and I'd, I'd heard him playing Fast Car in his bedroom. So we asked him, you know, how, how do you know about Tracy Chapman? How do you know the song? Uh, and he said it was through a, some... Um, busker, <laughs> a busker in Ireland, and we were like, <laughs> you've not been to Ireland, what? what? So someone that he'd seen on YouTube, let me give this guy a, a shout out, Jacob Koopman. Um, so he does a, a version of Fast Car in Dublin city centre where he does like a um, the intro to, if you know the Beatles song, Blackbird, beautiful song, and then it morphs into, into Fast Car and he does the kind of, overdubbing thing and playback and all that. I mean, it sounds pretty good. He's got a good voice. And then his, his mate's here on holiday with us, Zeki. And he was saying he knew it as well through uh, a cover version by Jonas Blue, who is a, a British record producer. And this was back in 2015 that was released. Uh, so we listened to that, didn't we? And it, there was a, a British singer on there, Dakota. Oh, Oh. Not my thing. I was loving that. Then. No, it's it's like a dance version of it. Not very good. But apparently, there's also another cover version that was released the week after. Um, uh, and again, that was an overproduced load of rubbish. In your opinion. In my opinion, yeah. <laughs> uh, who was this one by? Tabok featuring River. So Tabok's an Australian record producer and the singer River is, is a UK singer. 
I thought it was a bit better. But interestingly, the um, the Jonas Blue version got to number two in the UK charts. Fast Car um, in the UK, I think it only got to something like number six. So Jonas Blue did better than Tracy Chapman, amazingly. Probably not, though, because you don't, probably don't need to sell as many now to get in the singles charts True. as you used to do. And it got to number one in Australia, that, that version. But that other one, that Tabot one, which I think is a little bit better, got to number 19 in the USA, but didn't really do much in, in the UK. So that was December 2015. So, yeah, interesting that covers can kind of take a, uh, an artist into the future and give it to a different generation. And Because Sam plays, the, obviously, the guitar version he plays has got to be the Tracy Chapman one, so he'll have gone and mm. looked that up. So kind of good in that way, even though it's not. Not kind of our thing, really. Um, but yeah, so I might, going back to the concert, I might have watched it. I can't really remember how I got into Tracy Chapman, but it was kind of everywhere, wasn't it? Once that, obviously, once that concert had been out, loads of airplay. Do you not remember? It, surely if you'd watched it, you'd remember it. Like that, that, they did, I don't even know if it was just the guy that wrote the anthem or whether it was like a... A big old everyone come together, but they had that free, free, set him free like that at the end. Yeah. Anyway, it was like a massive kind of chorus of like loads of people. It was hugely powerful. I know, I know. I was honestly, I was so politically unaware back then. Um, and so I could have watched it, I could have watched some of it, do you know what I mean? I could have dipped in and out. And I wasn't, I had it, I didn't grab me at that stage. Music, I hadn't really. To be fair, I was watching it more for the politics than the music. Yeah, I, I just wasn't interested. I just, much to my shame now, it just wasn't something that I kind of, you know, bothered with. It was anything to do with news back then. I'd rather not watch it, do you know what I mean? So, no, I don't know, I can't tell you. I mean, normally I could go and have a look in my diary, but <laughs> we're away, so... Oh, well, that's your homework. <laughs> yeah, I can't check, but I'll, I will check, yeah, when we get back home. So, um, as we just chatted about covers, I went on to, there's a, a website called Secondhand Songs. Um, and apparently there's 73 recorded versions of Fast Car, but only those two that were previously mentioned are hits. Um, and then there was that other one that we played. <laughs> They'd got this list. It wasn't even. Oh my god! I was like, <laughs> I was like, what have you sent me? <laughs> so I, I sent uh, Kay a uh, link to a YouTube video by an artist called. Uh, I'm presuming you pronounce it. Pronounce it Zhu Zhu. It's spelled X I U, or maybe it's U I. X U I. It'll be on it. Uh, anyway, oh, it's like a. Do you reckon it's a mandolin or a? I didn't mind the instrument. I, yeah. The instrumental. Or is it a bit, ukulele? It's one of. Them, I don't know. Right? It, was, yeah. it was a string of some kind. Yeah. I, that I quite liked. Yeah. Because it was simple yeah. and not overblown, and the video. Yeah. I mean, kudos. Yeah. I quite liked the video. Yeah. It was yeah. all like sort of. Path news. Yeah, of like car races and stuff. That was yeah. quite cool. Um, although it was a little bit repetitive, they obviously got bored. <laughs> but, but that was quite good. Yeah. But then the the vocal was oh my god, it was hideous. <laughs> You've got to go and check it out. If you... It was out of time. 
to the instrument that was playing. <laughs> it was just, yeah, it just annoyed me. On every, every time I thought we'd reach a level of annoyance, then something else would happen and I'd just be like, oh my God, <laughs> stop. Yeah, so this Zoo Zoo guy is essentially is uh, is whispering the vocals like quiet, like proper quiet whispering. Like that was quite good. That that worked. A little bit creepy. I yeah, better than that. <laughs> yeah, that's me doing an impression of him, isn't it? I could do that. That that I quite liked. That I was like oh, and then it all went really wrong. <laughs> yeah, and then he tries to do the chorus, and he goes into this kind of. Whispered falsetto. Yeah. And it sounds like he's about to burst into tears at any second. Yeah, weird, awful. So let's, yeah, let's move on swiftly from Zoo Zoo. Uh, so the album's success. So it topped the charts in eight countries, in, including the USA and UK. And it has sold 23 million copies worldwide. Uh, I think it's the fifth best-selling album debut album by a female artist uh i can't even remember who number one was number two was lady gaga i think whitney's in there but yeah five's pretty impressive pretty impressive really um and it won three grammys in 1988 it had seven nominations uh so the the three that it won was for best female pop vocal performance for fast car Best Contemporary Folk Album and Best New Artist. Rolling Stone voted it number 256 in its 2020 list of 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. And in their 1989 list, uh, the 100 Greatest Albums of 1980s came in at number 10. Wow. So, pretty impressive stuff, really. Um so there were three singles from the LP. We've already mentioned Fast Car. Oh, it actually got to number four in the UK and it was number six in the US. Uh, it only reached number one in Canada. And amazingly, it's the only UK top 40 hit for Tracy Chapman. Um, Talking About a Revolution was the second single and that only reached 85. It got to 75 in the US. And the third single was Baby Can I Hold You, which was 94 in the UK and 48 in the US. Uh, her biggest US hit single was a song called Give Me One Reason, which was released in 1995 and got to number three over there. Again, only 95 in the UK chart. I had to listen to that today. Very bluesy, but fantastic song. Really good. So might go and visit some of her later work. Um, so the original UK LP again we haven't got the LPs with us because it would have been interesting to see whether we got like the, the first versions that were released or whether we got different versions um, worth about 30 quid if you go onto the Disc, Discogs website the highest one was sold about 60 quid the lowest 12 so it gives you like a median so, so it's held its value pretty good uh, the cover photography it's essentially like a um, a brown background with a, a dark shaded image of Tracy on the front by a, a guy called Matt Mahurin. Um, and he features in a, an excellent podcast episode called Talking About Tracy Chapman, the podcast called. And it's their debut kind of episode. And he talks about his persistence that got him his break to do the photography for the album. 
he did the fast car video and since he's worked with loads of mega stars bon jovi pete gabriel and some eclectic people as well in spiral carpets metallica rem sting done quite a lot of work with you too uh, but the interesting thing on the podcast, the thing that I found quite funniest was that whoever the host was, it's someone, they've got a um, uh, Tracy Chapman online, they've got like a big community of Tracy Chapman fans on Facebook and Twitter, uh, and this person was telling them him, this Matt guy, about the phenomenon of putting an album cover, I'd never heard of this as well, in front of you, and taking a photograph, <laughs> and he, he wasn't aware of it, so... They were essentially saying to him that your artwork really has gone all around the world virally, and he didn't even know about this thing. So, and I had a look on his. Did you not know about that no, either? No, no. <laughs> so he's, he's. I had a look on his Instagram today, oh. and it, and he was like, really grateful that it, you know that they point this out, and he thought it was super cool. So obviously, it's not just a thing with Tracy Chapman. I'm guessing it's like. So basically, when we go home. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna make me. T- you're yeah. gonna turn me into Tracy. <laughs> obviously so is there is there like some renowned albums that this is done with or is it just I haven't seen it late I haven't right. like looked into it but I've seen I've seen people doing it right so it's just like any where there's a head right <laughs> I've never seen it no but obviously I saw some on his Instagram as well pretty impressive really how they it matches mm. pretty much perfectly the shoulders and people have obviously put the outfit that she'd have been wearing or whatever on him. Yeah, it's cool. So that was good. Let's talk about the tracks one by one then. Uh, album opener, talking about a revolution. What a powerful opener. Starts with a really simple strumming acoustic guitar, but when her vocals hit, wow. Unbelievable, really. Hairs on the back of the neck moment. Um, and the song itself, I think it's about the Obviously, it's about, it's a class thing, isn't it? About the poor. But I'm not sure whether it's uh, a kind of, is it that the poor are going to be rising up or is it that the poor are apathetic? And, you know, I'm not exactly sure what the song meaning is. What about you? What was your interpretation? Have you looked at the lyrics closely? No, I'll just sing along to the chorus. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so okay. uh so yeah that um yeah right mm. <laughs> <laughs> well Could she you? talks about yeah <laughs> talk about a revolution sounds like a whisper so i don't know where that whisper bit is talking about the fact that they're not being vocal enough about their situation and they're just kind of riding along with it the poor and or whether it's a whisper and it's suddenly going to gain something bigger. But yeah, it kind of sets the, the tone for the album in terms of the, the sound. There's a lot of, there's quite a few songs that are very simplistic, but very powerful and a message in the social and political themes that run through the album. Um, the second song is Fast Car. We've already talked about Fast Car, but fantastic song obviously big legacy mm-hmm. uh, going back to our friends at the uh, the Rolling Stones magazine they did a list you know they like a list like me the 500 greatest songs of all time Fast Car was you, voted you're not allowed to read them all out no no <laughs> I'm not going to read any out 
this fast car was number 167 on that list. Um, very notable for a shocking reason, really, that it's the high, highest ranking song on the list that is solely performed and written by a female artist. 167. Rolling Stone. Have a word with yourself, guys. Uh, track three, Across the Lines. Oh, the other thing I meant to say about Fast Car. Mm. What's your, any thoughts on the meaning of that one? Is it that she is, she's obviously talking about a relationship, but is the Fast Car for her to get away from that relationship or go away from their situation in this relationship? What was your take on that? My take on it was that she's still hopeful that there's something to save and that the car is like a an allegory for that. Allegory? Whoa. <laughs> Don't get many words like that on podcasts these days. You've obviously not listened to the right podcasts. <laughs> Tell me which one I can find it on then. You know I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> They're just not intellectual enough. <laughs> Good one. Okay. Good interpretation. Track three, Across the Lines. Uh, another very political, social aware song. When I first started listening to that, I thought it must be talking about South Africa. Who would dare to go over the tracks, etc., etc. Um, but as you read on, it was uh, the back streets of America recounting violence and racial tension after a, a black girl is assaulted. And I'm guessing she's kind of got this from a, uh, a real story that happened. Um, but I don't know. I don't know for sure. But another very, very fantastic, powerful. I don't think you'd have to look song. very far, would you? would imagine that no it was rife on it back then. Mm, well sadly i don't know about just back when well <clears throat> no true it's it's still happening isn't it um unfortunately but you know um and then we're into track four which is behind the wall Again, a hugely powerful song. I mean, it, her vocals just are so unique, distinctive, but beautiful. You know, she's got that kind of, I don't know how you'd describe it, kind of a vibration to her voice. It just it maintains the perfect kind of pitch, but it just takes it to another level, doesn't it? It's just beautiful and raw and very emotional. Um, but this particular song... I mean, I, you mentioned this the other day, and I, I, that there's a song on there about domestic violence. And I've not really, I've not listened to this album in such a long time. I, again, I think it's that 1988 thing. I've probably listened to it a dozen times or whatever, and and the odd time. God, you're after that. Yeah, it should be, yeah. Um, but listen to it again after you said about what it was about, yeah. Again, quite a shocking song, and it's, um, I don't know, it's, uh, her, her vocals are, it's just insane how beautiful they are, but the song is really, it's so sad, and, you know, it I just think I felt about it, 
when I listen to it again now, the same way as I felt about it then. Like, she wasn't very old when she wrote that song. And... I think it. I think I read that it was about eight, uh, 84, 85 she wrote that. So, yeah, she'd have, you know, been 20, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And it, it's just, you know, as a subject. I mean, obviously, at 16, I knew nothing about anything like that. Yeah. Um, and it... It's such a, a visceral image. Another good word. <laughs> um, and and still, when I listen to it now, at nearly 50, with like a lot more understanding and empathy and kind of a knowledge of like the sort of things that go on, I'm still just like, oh my God, you know, she totally nailed. Yeah. Um, the, the kind of... The backwards and forwards and the difficulty and that and how hard it is and how hard it is for for the people around it to to help and support someone in that situation and you know it's just yeah yeah i think i think the most kind of powerful line in there is maybe it's not but the one that stood out to me was where she says the police always come late if they come at all you know, and it's kind of that thing that what you know, what's well, the point I mean, in calling them? Because... There's been a ton of reports recently. I mean, there was that that girl was killed the other week, and she'd she'd reported the guy multiple times for harassing her and stalking her and threatening her, but they won't take action unless you're actually hurt. It's too late then, isn't it? It's like yeah. great, and it's. It's, yeah, it's, I was just, I was listening to it, you know, against the background of this year and, and the sort of violence against women and stuff that's, and women and girls that, that sort of, you know, that I've kind of been part of the campaigns of. And, and you just think, Jesus, you know, nothing. We've not moved on. No. No. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's a shame, really, but. You know, I think it's one of the the things about the album that makes it stand out, other than the, the music, obviously, but the, the themes that she's writing about. Um, and it, it kind of... When I kind of wrote the tracks down and I was looking at what they all were, um, it seems to go in like twos and threes of, of songs, really. I mean, the, ne- the next one is obviously a bit more of a love song it's the first time that i suppose fast car was kind of about a relationship but baby can i hold you is the, the closing track on side one um but it's another terrific song but i don't think it, it obviously didn't get the uh the kudos and the i don't know what the right word is the respect it probably deserved at the time i mean what did i say it made it to number 94 in the UK charts and it took Boyzone uh, nine years later their cover got to number two you know and it's not a patch on the, the Tracy Chapman version so again it's just is that not more of a reflection of the fact of that people is. like their pop of course it fluffy is fluffy and unchallenging yeah and, and as much as I like the album it is 
it's an emotional bit of it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster that you you're engaged if you're listening to it then you kind of have to be engaged yeah it's not a la yeah. la la kind of put it on and sing you know, yeah got a nice day out in the car kind of album yeah true i think the opening line on that song as well sorry is that all <coughs> sorry is all that you can say i mean is she saying that as a question or is she saying that as a statement? I think it's probably a statement, isn't it? Because there's no question mark in the lyrics, but, you know, it's, um, again, as soon as I kind of see that lyric written down, sorry, is that all you can say? I can hear her vocals and high up in the mix and it's well-produced album because they don't mm. try and... Mess about with it too yeah, much. Yeah, mm. which is, is a good thing. So... I mean, looking at that, the other thing that struck me about the album was that I really didn't listen to side two half as much as what I listened to side one. A, probably because it's got Fast Car on it, but all five of those songs that we just talked about, there's not a a bad song there. It's not, even, not even a filler, you're not even a, mm. one that you'd think, oh, it's not so good. I mean, it's a terrific side of an album. Um, so the... the second side of the album I hadn't listened to as much so I purposely listened to more of that this time round and the first two Tron songs on side two they've kind of got a bit of a, an African theme to them I thought to the music um, you can hear the African roots in there and it I wondered if it is like a bit of a two song um, call and answer type thing because the first one Mountain of Things it's her really dreaming and talking about, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm, I'm kind of destined for this life of what everyone else is going through, struggling to make ends meet. And really, I just want to not have to worry about that. I want to make loads of money. I want loads of things and blah, blah, blah. And then the second one, uh, track seven, is she's got her ticket. So is that talking about someone that's had their dream realised, you know? Um, I don't know, you thought a lot harder about this than <laughs> I have. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. And then we're into track eight, which is Why, which was the opening track she did at Mandela. Uh, and this one is about the political and social injustices, I'm guessing, throughout the world, not just in America. Um, and it, it highlights once more the, the powerful juxtaposition of her vocals and and the, the the feelings and the the serious messages of the song—it's just weird how you know her vocals are right up there and can bring you so much joy when the you know the messaging is so down and so you know serious. It's amazing, really. Um, track nine, the one after that, is for my lover, uh, which starts two weeks in a Virginia jail. Uh, I think this is probably the best song on the second side. I like this song, uh, and it's uh, basically I'd do anything for my lover. I don't know whether you like it, that song? No. Anything to add? No. Okay. Crack on. <laughs> Thanks. I'm just really conscious we've got to get through all these pages, so yeah. <laughs> speed. You're keeping quiet. <laughs> Uh, two more tracks to go uh, the penultimate track if not now another beautiful song again very rich heartfelt vocals 
and uh, a love declared for today is as good as none. What? A love declared for today is as good as none. Is a, a line from the song that really kind of stood out for me. So I think it's basically saying, you keep saying you're going to love me, but you don't do anything about it kind of thing. So you might as well not be loving me. So you oh, talk okay. a good game, but you don't follow through. That's what I took from that. Uh, and then the final song on the album, my notes on here just, wow. Perfect way to finish the album. Incredible vocals again. So this is the one where she's just with the acoustic guitar and it kind of leaves you, or it leaves me with a, a warm, dreamy type feeling that you've just experienced something otherworldly. So, yeah, I, I was surprised at how good the album is still. You know, I, I knew I'd enjoyed listening to it back then, but now, and as you've already said, a lot of this stuff still going on in the world. It's still very relevant. And yeah, terrific album. What about you? What are, you, what are your kind of closing thoughts on it? And Just that I was surprised that I still enjoyed it so much because sometimes you listen to stuff again. And obviously it's one of the first albums that I bought. Yeah. Um, and my music taste has, has changed a lot mm. over that time. Definitely, um, yeah. So I okay. kind of expected to to listen to it and be a bit nostalgic, but maybe not like love it particularly. Um, whereas I listened to it and I was like, oh, actually, I mean, there's a few songs that I'm maybe not not as keen on as there maybe once was, but overall, I'm like, geez, you know, this is this is still a really good album. And then, and then James was like, oh. The charity shops don't agree. <laughs> so I assume that the charity shops must be full of CD versions. And I'm like, well, the, 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 obviously the latecomers to J.C. Chapman. <laughs> it's probably the people that were buying it when, you know, boys were doing stuff. <laughs> so I'm, I suppose I'm, just, I'm a little bit surprised because I had a kind of a dual liking for it one was the fact that it was the first time that i'd kind of really engaged politically i sort of kind of seen that that link between music being able to pull people together for a political purpose yeah um and then just loving the the sort of the intimacy of the way she presented herself on that massive stage um and understanding that kind of how the staging like affected the the way that I listened to those songs, um, so yeah, kind of I I suppose I was surprised that the 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 perception was that it just it wasn't very good, because I I do think it still stands up really well for how long it's been. Yeah, the fact it was her first album and how long it's been out and that so that again, the perception that the that album's... it's not very good. It's not a very good album. Well, looking back on um, the reviews and stuff, it did. It was very critically acclaimed as as well as the Grammys. You know, it scored highly. There was 
There's not a lot of poor No, 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 there, but, but just like from a friend just saying all the charity shops are full of okay. it, therefore it isn't very good. So, but I don't think the charity shops are full of the vinyl. Yeah. I think the charity shops are probably full of the CD, which... Yeah. It's not necessarily a massive indicator that... No. <laughs> well, this yeah. is our challenge for this week. We're on holiday. I'm sure we'll be visiting charity <laughs> Check shops. Check out the charity shops. Let's see if we can count, find Tracy. Count the Tracy Chapman albums. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully your mate's just uh, somewhere where there was a, a Tracy Chapman convention and they, they all pulled their albums together and wanted to spread the love around Leeds. So go on then, give me a rating. What, what are you going to give it out of 10? Um, I think it's probably an 8. Maybe an 8.5. Ooh, a half mark from Kate. Ooh. You said we could do half. We so can, absolutely. If we can, I will then. Eight and a half, yeah? Yeah. Guess what I scored it? What? Eight and a half. Did you? Yeah. There you go. 17 out of 20, that's pretty impressive. Well done, Tracy. Thank you very much. <laughs> Favourite time, Kate? List time? You'll be pleased to know. Great. You'll be pleased to know. We're into the top 10 of the 50 American greatest bands. Of all time. I mean, I feel like I've lived every second Ooh, of this. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't been a good experience. This top ten's going to make it, though. <laughs> well, got a lot to prove then, haven't you? Maybe not. It's not my <laughs> list. You chose to... I know. I draw just, it out. I thought it'd be interesting. Discuss it in detail. I thought it'd be interesting. I still think it's interesting, anyway. Okay. I'm not so sure. <laughs> I know you're not. <laughs> Tom and Jerry at number 10. Tom and Jerry? Original name of the band, Simon and Garfunkel, originally called Tom and Jerry. Okay. You like Simon and Garfunkel? I don't even know whether you do. You're not that bothered, are you? No. I like Simon and Garfunkel. I have two albums, Wednesday morning, 3am, a debut album, which was released in 1964. Uh, featured the sound of silence, and then that was released in 65 reproduced, overdubbed, and uh, that's what kind of took them super global. 1966 album, Sounds of Silence. 1967, Mrs. Robinson from The Graduate Soundtrack. And uh, they didn't last too much longer after that, but they come back together every now and again. So they did that concert, I don't really know about that, in Central Park, which I think uh, is the one of, if not the biggest attended rock concerts of all time. So I've got that on a, on a double LP somewhere. <coughs> Interesting to see how much that's worth. So that's my Simon Garfunkel experience. This next band, pff, not really my thing. The Eagles in at number nine, swooping in at number nine. See, I prefer the Eagles. Do you? Yeah. So I only really know um, Hotel California. I, can't, I don't really know much more about I couldn't. I couldn't tell you more Eagles songs, but I know that I have at points listened to right. the Eagles. Yeah, I haven't really. Formed in 1971, the Eagles. Um, apparently, the greatest hits album, 71 to 75, is the best-selling album of all time in the United States. Which is pretty phenomenal. So, 38 million sales of that album. <laughs> okay, it was just doing I'm some making, sort of... Wind it up, Wind it, winding. <laughs> wind, I, like, what? Speed it up a bit, Come geez. on. It's a serious stuff, babe. <laughs> I mean, I was trying to do it subtly, but come on, just get your skates on. All right. 
I can't get my skates on these next two bands. Come on. Number eight, REM. I'm not getting my skates on about them. Okay. Talk to me about REM. What's your favourite album, your favourite song? Uh, I think it's still... It's the end of the world as we know it. Okay. Which yeah. is from Green. Oh, document. Document. Yeah. I had I had Green and Document on a tape. Oh, did you? <laughs> uh, one side on each that someone had done for me. You are kidding. I had that as well. Michelle made me exactly the same. And uh, well, it was um, it was Mandy, and she said. I, I asked her who she was listening to on her Walkman and she said, oh, it's this band, you might not have heard of them. Wow, and, and I was exactly like, the same. Oh, probably not, given, but I'm interested. <laughs> so she said, I'll do you a tape. So the next day she brought me a tape into school. Loving R.E.M. There you go. That was around the same time as well. 87 document, 88 mm. green. Um, yeah. Uh, I got them in probably, I would say... Late 88, early 89. That yeah. would have been when. You're given it to way me. ahead of me then. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't get them until uh, it had been probably 89, 90 at the earliest. And uh, I remember Michelle telling me about this band, exactly the same thing, you've probably never heard of them. And I was like, REM? What do you? I didn't even know what REM was. <laughs> I was like, what? What a name for a band? What does that stand for? God. Um, yeah, I think my favourite album is Automatic for People. I mean, it was that was 92. 91 was Out of Time, which was the one that kind of got them into the mainstream on it. Um, Losing My Religion, I guess, was the song that, that took them there. But yeah, uh, Find the River, I think that's my favourite song. But a lot of good stuff. We've got to revisit them at some point, surely. <coughs> Number one. You've got you've got an album, haven't you? I've got a few, yeah. On vinyl. Uh, I've got nothing on vinyl. I've got Maybe more not. CD. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got Automatic the People out of time. I've got Green. I've, I've got <coughs> Green on CD. And then I've got Reveal. Uh, I mean, I, I think I don't actually own any of their albums. I've got various singles. Right. Not many. New Adventures in Hi-Fi. I've got that one as well. So I've got about five CDs. I mm. think it is. I bought you that though. You did? Yeah. You did. Uh, See, the, well, yeah. It's not ones like that where I've bought you something I want. I'm like, they're joint. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Fair enough. Yeah. Number seven, um, Talking Heads. And this is a band that I didn't really know that much about. I knew David Byrne was their lead singer and that was because... You know that first computer we got together, you know, the like the high tower, mm. static stacking. Excuse me, I just got three. Yeah, touch of the birds. <laughs> he did um, some sort of free track <clears throat> that when you switched that computer on, there was like a free song on there that he did. Yeah, I remember that. What yeah. was it? I, I I should have looked it up. I can't remember what it was, and I thought it was a bit quirky, and I didn't even realise that he was the lead singer of Talking Heads until a, a few years later. The Talking Heads. Um, Road to Nowhere was on one of those hits albums so that's the only reason I knew about them and then kind of through listening to probably Six Music and a few other things um, Once in a Lifetime that song mm. a terrific song 
Um, so recently, just strangely enough, I don't know why, I, I've started listening to some of their stuff on, um, it's on it's available on Amazon Prime. Like humans do. That was it. That was the one. Well done. There you go. <laughs> it says, uh, the, the, his 2001 single, Like Humans Do, becoming the work that would define him for a generation of people. <laughs> When window when computer usage was at its peak of growth, like humans do, was packaged with an operating system as a sample track. People were more accepting of this type of free bonus included with the product, with the limited uses of the internet at the time, the lack of accessibility to music, um, which meant that the song was one of the few digital files that most of the general public could listen to on their computers. And the song's popularity spread like wildfire as, as a result, something that will never happen again. So there you go. Seems a bit of a pioneer, really, to the whole Spotify <laughs> kind of cool, generation. Yeah. But honestly, I, I've listened to the, the greatest hits. Although, or... to be fair, it then says it's sometimes referred to as the unofficial anthem of Windows XP. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's terrific. It really is. The whole, the whole story, you know, very, very different, but brilliant. Absolutely brilliant melodies. I'm surprised how good the melodies are. And so I'm going to listen to more of that. Um, I'm very influential listening to, you know, reading a lot of other come stuff. Come on, because we're only on seven. Yeah, but come on, talking heads. <laughs> yeah, I could go into these quite a lot, actually. Maybe we should just do the top six and say the top five. Oh, my God. Fine. Come on. Anything that makes it quicker. So, all right, we'll stop after this next one. The Doors. Okay. Didn't know anything about The Doors, but went to see the film. Did you, have you seen the film? No. You've never seen the film? No. Didn't know that. We can watch that film. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Do you, do you like The Doors or not? Yeah, I like the music. Yeah, the film's terrific. I is was, it, yeah. Is it not a concert film? No, 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 it's a, it's a biopic. It's a, Oliver Stone directed it. Yeah, that's probably why I swerved it. Oliver Stone. <laughs> okay. I didn't, well, I didn't know anything about this director at the time. And um, I wasn't that into the band. It was just, I think I went with Ringo and uh, Dave. It's quite a late. When, when was 90, it? 90, I want to say 91. It was 91, the movie, yeah. Right. So, because I started listening to The Doors in about... I mean, I'd heard of them and then started listening to them in about 89, probably. Um, and was kind of aware of them. It was just an interesting, well, kind of quite cool, different. So, uh, yeah, probably like by the time the film was coming out, I was a bit like, yeah, really? <laughs> well, my other abiding memory of it is... Once I'd seen the film, they seemed to be everywhere. And the place where they seemed to be everywhere was on pub and student union jukeboxes. And they were always being played, particularly um, when the music's over, this is the end. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, Light My Fire. Um, again, just a, a, a terrific catalogue. Uh, very charismatic lead singer. But yeah, the, the film's really good. And I'm do, doing a bit of reading about it just because... I was interested uh, in how they'd cast uh, Val Kilmer plays Jim Morrison. And um, 
there's a whole catalogue of actors that they consider for the role, including people like Tom Cruise and one or two others. My but, God. Yeah. But they were saying that Val Kilmer, he kind of, he'd sent in, in his own kind of, he was desperate to get his part. He'd sent in like a, I can't remember how long the audition tape was of him kind of being Jim Morrison and singing. And he'd spent a lot of time with uh, a guy who was in the studio with the Doors and Jim Morrison. And, and by the end of the film, they couldn't tell the difference between Val Kilmer's vocals and, and Jim Morrison's. He was that good. And they used his vocals in, in the film, you know, so... Yeah, but my favourite Doors song, uh, song is Riders on the Storm. What about yourself? I couldn't tell you, I haven't listened to them for ages. Might have to, might have to revisit that this yeah. week. Well, yeah, let's let's make a day, let's try and find <coughs> it and watch the film. Because I've not seen it since we saw it at the picture, so it'd be good to watch that again. Yeah, uh, I did make a note, Oliver Stone offered the role of Jim Morrison to Ian Asbury of the cult cult lead singer so again that's a band that I don't really know about but I'd like to find out a bit more because mm. I think it was the cult back then for me it was one of them bands that were like a bit of a gothy band and yeah. it had that kind of oh god I won't be interested in that kind of stuff but <laughs> as you kind of listen to the songs and you, I've seen him on YouTube and stuff he's obviously quite a flamboyant character so mm. quite good alright so let's save the top five for the next next episode Okay. 1988 then. I've honed in on April. I'm still chewing me olive. <laughs> Can't talk. <laughs> All right, I'll flannel in for a little bit. I read some of this week. Oh, you'll find that really hard. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cheeky tonight. You're so cheeky anyway. Yeah, I read some on the internet this week that one of these things that freaked me out. <clears throat> 1980s is far from 2021. Oh, God, here we go. As 1939 is from 1980. That's just like, why did I have to see that? Stop looking at me like that. That's just, that's amazing. Can you not do maths? Yeah, but. It's simple, linear counting. (laughs) That's pretty astounding, isn't it? You think like 1939, the war's going on. I think the thing is, because I deal with vintage stuff all the time. 1939 was in black and white as well. I'm really conscious <laughs> of the fact that when I started to buy vintage, yeah. I was buying like 1940s stuff in yeah. the 1980s. That's what I was buying. That's what 1930s, 1940s. So I, I see that passage of time. But 1980s isn't vintage, is it? Yeah, now it is. Is it? Mm. No. 1990s is considered vintage. <laughs> no, I mean, no. not necessarily by me, but certainly like in terms of like 1980s and 1990s clothes are being sold as vintage. Mm. Not having that. Well, not to people like me who have their own set <laughs> kept from the period. Originals. <laughs> originals but it's you know yeah so so i suppose i um and i am also very conscious of the cycle of things like i know there are things you don't see anymore because they've they've become fashionable so then way more expensive than i would ever pay 
but I know that I was buying them 20 years ago for peanuts and stuff so so yeah I don't I'm like I don't understand why this is such a surprise to people <laughs> it's just if you can count you should be able to work these things out because you don't think about it like that do you you just think like like I was saying 1939 when you've lived through the 80s just kind of seems like something your parents went through and it's you see it, the footage and all that but well your parents weren't alive in 1939 for a start grandparents sorry <laughs> good point that's that whole counted thing again yeah <laughs> true i don't know i think i'm just in denial about time about how fast it's moving yeah i think you now. are so what, what 1988 april 1988 what mm. what can you remember about that time. So you're in your, your GCSE, you're just about to do your exams probably. What can you remember about what was going on with you back then? What were your, what were your thoughts? What A-levels did you pick? Uh, German, French and English. Oh, yeah. Super language girl. Uh, but you didn't know what you wanted to do with it. Well, I wanted to work abroad. Right. That wasn't more... There wasn't a more specific plan. Was that just to get as but, far away from your <clears throat> mum and dad as possible? Well, no, it was just because I was interested in like other cultures and travelling and stuff. Yeah. So, well, but I was obviously, I was in the throes of GCSEs. Um, I think that the German exchange student that we had had, we had for six months, I think she had left by then. Um, I still can't get my head around that six months. <clears throat> so I did, I did Spanish at school, but uh, there was an exchange opportunity, and I think it was two weeks. Yeah, but this was a different type of thing. It wasn't like an exchange like that. Right. People so, used to pay to come and stay uh, and go to school. So my parents were like hosts for that. So really? it wasn't an exchange, strictly. But you went over there and spent some time <clears> over Yeah, there. but that was just luck. That wasn't like... That was luck. How do you mean? Because part of the... pro, The guy who ran the programme had yeah. been approached by some a family in Germany whose child had benefited from the programme. Yeah. And they wanted to offer the opportunity to a host family for someone oh. to go there. Oh, I didn't know that. So, um, so when would you have gone then? In, in that summer? I went in the first year of my A-levels. Um, in, I think I went from probably January. No, I think I went for the, for the final, the final half term of the A-levels actually. So I think I went from maybe like May to July. Something like that. So you had to get a special dispensation. Is there anyone else from your school went? Just you, yeah? No, it's just me. Well, it obviously helped you. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So, where did that start? Oh, so, yeah, I was doing doing GCSEs. Yeah. So I did uh, combined sciences, because that was all that was offered at our school. Yeah. Maths. English language, English lit. Um, and then I did German and French. And 
art and typing. <laughs> <laughs> you are kidding. Nope. You've got a GCSE in typing? Well, there... Failed. Failed. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be a no. I don't have a GCSE in typing. Oh, that would be my only unclassified that I ever received. <laughs> what happened? Oh, uh, there's a very long story of, like, cheating and there only being one PC available and coursework, which was never my forte, and the teacher hated me because I wasn't your typical typing student. And, and allegedly I forgot to put the envelope into the exam pack. Who knows? I mean... To be fair, it was one of them that I'd picked because nothing else fitted into my timetable. <laughs> I thought it'd be a DOS. And it kind of was. <laughs> so, you know. And, and even and now, everyone's like, oh my God, you can touch type. And I'm like, yeah, well, not very well, but... <laughs> okay. Just imagine where your life could be now if you'd passed that exam. <laughs> so, you know... I don't even know they offered that as a, as a GCSE. <clears throat> we had one boy in the class. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and the teacher always let him go on the one PC that was in the typing classroom. Oh <laughs> and everybody else is on the big old, like, typewriters that properly strengthened your fingers because you have to, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, yes, there you go. I don't have a typing GCSE. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually quite impressive. <laughs> well done. Let's have a look at the charts. What was going on in the charts in 88? So the top 10 in April 88 when uh, Tracy Chapman was released. We got Kylie at number 10 with I Should Be So Lucky. Now, the next song, I'm Not Scared. I saw that in the, and I thought, what's that? Eighth Wonder. Is that Patsy Kenzie song? I saw the video today. I've never seen the video, but I remember the song. I'm not scared. Da, na, na. I'm not scared. I think I know it, but yeah. I'm not getting it from the <laughs> Have a listen. It's quite a good song. It's quite a good pop song, as it were. Uh, number eight was Stay On These Roads by Aha. I listened to that, I thought, yeah, all 80s songs. You listen to the radio the whole time, I'll remember it when I put it on. Pfft, nah, didn't remember that one at all, so maybe I just filtered out all the rubbish. So maybe. I was quite impressed with myself there. Love Changes Everything by Climby Fisher. Is that oh, the, I like that one. Is that the ones where they got done for not being the real vocalist? Is that them? I, I think know. that's them in it, yeah. Yeah, it's a decent song, but I think they were fakers. Cross My Broken Heart by Sunita in at six. Typical stock stock aching Waterman yeah. fan. I wasn't a huge stock aching Waterman fan, so No, I mean it, the the video and production on the song, it sounds like a Kylie song with her singing it basically. Mm. Uh Can I Play With Madness by Iron Maiden at number five. I quite like that song. Do you know what? No. Can I play with madness? No, it's still like that. And then <laughs> heavy metal guitar. <laughs> Uh, I, I just for the record he actually did the guitar then <laughs> not quite Steve Burton style but I did a little bit number four was Could Have Been by Tiffany again pff, I'd never heard this it's like a, a ballad with a, her and a piano and that's it I have no recollection of that song at all it's quite a nice 
kind of mushy type ballad song and she sings it really well but passed me by totally that one as well at number three don't turn around good song mm, yeah drop the boy by bros that was one of their later ones wasn't it i think mm. that was when they were just about done and dusted Mm. Two albums, one album. Two I remember albums. it, but yeah. uh, only because there were people that didn't like them. <laughs> well, I, I remember the reason I remember that is because I think we <clears> had uh, Myers Grove School in Sheffield. I think we had some sort of it's just about all of a party. I remember that being played. <laughs> so, uh, well, as in a party for Bros, being over. No, <laughs> our school. <laughs> Life, because we we it's all went... just about all of us. <laughs> <laughs> no, no sixth form for us, so we were all off to <clears> college <throat> and whatever. And um, Pet Shop Boys at number one with Heart. And there's a, <laughs> I, I watched a bit of a video today. There's a video of him, dreamily singing it to his bride in back of a wedding car. Mm-hmm. So apparently it didn't come out as gay until nineteen ninety four. I didn't know. But that. I just there was. The whole of like the eighties yeah. was just like this massive like continuum continuum of denial. <laughs> I was just, I was just quite surprised. I'd forgotten. You know, <laughs> You've forgotten how like totally yeah. oblivious everybody were, like pretending. Everyone was like la 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 la. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had I had totally forgotten. That. Uh, and I picked a couple of songs out from a bit later on and a bit lower down in charts. Crash by the Primitives. I didn't realize that I got to twenty seven. So that was out at that time. Love that song. And uh, Joel the Taxi was at 35. I think it was been higher in the charts and just on its way down. But another kind of song of that time on it. That mm, yeah. Good song. Vanessa Paradis. Um, you have to say it in that accent, don't you? Doesn't everyone? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I meant. Try, like, try. <laughs> I'm sure I could if I tried, but... You know, I would be going against the laws of nature. Absolutely. Good good point. So in terms of the albums, uh, Aswad were at number 10 with their album Distant Thunder. It was not number one at one point. Live in Europe by Tina Turner at nine. Introducing the Hardline According to Terence Trent Derby at number eight. That had been number one. Um, and that was in its 38th week, that one. In the charts, I had that album. That was one of the Do you LPs not still have it? I should have it, yeah, yeah. Um, just the way you went, I had the album. Yeah, well, it's because it's I don't listen... <clears throat> I just don't listen to my LPs anymore, it's shocking, really. I even bought you a record player. I know. I need to sort that out. I need to sort it out. Some great songs on there, and again, I guess he, he is a bit like Tracy Chapman, and he's kind of... He's got a really distinctive, powerful vocal mm. and some really good songs, so I might have to listen to that again. Uh, Fleetwood Mac at number seven. He was this sign your night. name across my heart. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. <coughs> sign your name. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Fleetwood Mac again, not really my thing. I know that was a massive album, wasn't it? Tango in the Night. Fifty mm-hmm. first week in the charts and still at number seven. And again, that had been number one. Look at that. Number six, Lovely by the Primitives. Well, surprised at that. That was one. Of, that was. Either the first or second CD I ever bought. Uh, I don't think it was then. Probably the year after that. Number five. I'd you never... had a CD player in 1989? It might have been. Well, I'll tell you when it was. It was whenever Harry Met Sally came out. So that was... Bought the soundtrack. Harry Connick Jr. Bought the soundtrack to that. And I brought 
lovely by the primitives i think i bought it at the same time from hmv in sheffield i didn't get a cd player until about 1995. <laughs> wow so when do you think harry met sally was Look it up. Do you reckon it's early 90s or do you reckon it's late 80s? I don't know. I have no idea. It wasn't a film I had any interest in. You watch it, don't you? Never saw it. I've seen it. Yeah. Number five, Wings of Heaven by Magnum. I was like, wow, who's that? Seventh album. It was 89. It was 89. Get you. Yeah. Well, it was exciting. I remember, like, this is the, the bit where I kind of, a year after leaving school and I... I was at college and suddenly hanging around with musicals, <laughs> people that were really interested in different bands and stuff. And um, yeah, that's where it all started really. But yeah, Magnum, some sort of English rock band. Don't really know who they are. Number four, another album I've got. See how I've said I've got. <laughs> Popped in, sold out by Wet Wet Wet. I got that as a Christmas present, I think. I got that in 87. I really like that album. That's a bit of a guilty pleasure. I probably, <laughs> I probably wouldn't like it as much if I listened to it now as I did Tracy well, Chapman. I think you'll find out. <laughs> no. Oh I've... come on! We got to work through all. All the good, the bad, and the oh, ugly. No, I don't think so. <clears throat> um, yeah, twenty eighth week in the chart for that one. Best of OMD at three. Push by Bros at number two, and. A great album at number one. Now that's why I call music too. Did you have that one? Nah. That was a, that was the the black cover. Let me read you some of the the, the songs on there because <clears throat> we had this one. I don't know if it was mine or our Matt's. I think it was mine, and I think he kind of acquired it, so it's not in my collection that now. Matt. Like like you kept your CDs anyway. You you haven't even kept your cassettes. I never had. I never bought cassettes. So you had it on a. Yeah, a vinyl, a vinyl, yeah, Ooh. vinyl. Ooh. But it, it won't worth worth anything. It's right, like just right posh in Sheffield. <laughs> I was looking it up, but it won't worth all. Get out of your lazy bed, Matt Bianco. You know that song. Get out yeah. of your lazy bed, good song. You don't need to stop after each one. It's fine. Thank you. Flying pickets, only you. Break my stride, Matthew Wilder. Love that song. Joe Fagan, that's living all right. I mentioned that one because obviously that was a theme from Alfreda Zemper. Terrific stuff. Relax by Frankie. What is Love by Howard Jones. My first hear ever hearing a Smith song that I can remember. What difference does it make was on there. And I remember the guitar thinking, wow, this is good. And then the vocals and I wasn't quite so sure. Uh, and then another one that was a bit kind of different on there was Hyperactive by Thomas Dolby I've never heard of him I don't think I've ever heard of his stuff since but he's got like violins in it and yeah a bit different but good oh movies did you go to the movies come on number 11 is one of yours with an A-L-I well I didn't see I know no? I didn't really go to the cinema Alright. But you like that film? Yes. I've never, I I've saw never it seen much later. Film. Have yeah. you not? No, oh my it. god. No. I might have to make you watch it. I don't think I'd like it. If you're gonna make you watch the doors, then I have to make you watch with Nail and I. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see. Alright, I'll just pick some out and I'll not go through them all then. Uh Beverly Hills Cop two at number nine. I I, I did see that one. The Last Emperor. No. 
Stakeout at Five, I think I might have seen afterwards. That was kind of Richard Dreyfus and Fatal Attraction number three. That was a big film at the time, wasn't it? But I didn't see it. I literally. I have seen it. Of but this I didn't see whole it the list, time. I did not see any of those at the cinema. Number two was not Batteries, one. not included. No, I didn't see any at the cinema either. Uh, An Empire of the Sun was number one, which was that Steven Spielberg film, but mm. I, I, I couldn't tell you what it's about. So yeah, not not a great Do great you list. Have... <laughs> On the band, because <laughs> we're big in Japan tonight. Uh, TV. Now, normally I'd go a bit more broad in terms of what was going on in April but. 1988. But I found a TV, there's a way you can look at what were in TV times and what were TV listings. BBC oh, One, my God. I don't think I'd leave me sofa now if this were on. <laughs> April the 5th, which is the day that Tracy Chapman was released. <clears throat> it was a Tuesday. Kick starts, 5, 15, 25. 3.25, did you ever watch that? Peter no. Purvis. Du, 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 du. Like, du, du, is it a football du, thing? Du, du, du. No, it's, it were trail bikes, wasn't it? Like, why would to, I be watching that? I don't know, it were exciting. They were like kids on motorbikes, balancing on logs and going up and down rickety old... Okay. And it also were a computer game. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yeah. Johnny Briggs. Nope. Oh, What? I was Come on. <laughs> Brilliant. Neighbours. You must have watched Neighbours back in the late 80s. Yeah, most of the time I watched Neighbours. Typical. Just before dinner. Yeah. TV. Holiday 88. Oh, I used to love a bit of Holiday. Did you? Old Judith. <laughs> <laughs> Showing us how good it could be. <laughs> of all the ones on the list, that I thought that would be the one that you'd like... Come on, get on with it. Skip on it. I loved a bit of holiday. Yeah. yeah. Well, we never went anywhere. They were like, no one. Yeah, went that's because you got left behind. No one went anywhere at that point. So it was just like pure fantasy. <laughs> Some people must have gone somewhere. Well, I didn't know them. <laughs> Half past seven at EastEnders. And I was watching we, it probably we around that time. We, we, we sometimes watched EastEnders, but no. I looked at some of the characters that were there. Lofty. Tom Watt, wasn't it, mm. that guy? Mary. That was that punk one, wasn't it? Mm. And then you've got Pat and Frank. Then Sparrow. Who was Sparrow? He was like a, a really scrawny guy. He used to walk <laughs> around in a in like a cut-off T-shirt. Like cut off the arms and stuff. Maybe I didn't watch it around this time then. Angie and Ali and, yeah, so... Who was that, who was, uh, that other couple, the Beals? Who was the... the the guy, at the end of the end, with dementia. No, he were, he were Barrowman, one. He were market man, Pete. I'm on about the one that had his allotment. Don't know. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know what his name was. Alan? No. No. Oh, no. Look him up. No. <laughs> Question of sport. Eight o'clock. Didn't watch that. That were the ones where Bill Beaumont and Emily News were captains and David Coleman were presenter. Yeah, still didn't watch it. Half eight, step toe. Oh, the sun. I love, love a bit of step toe. <laughs> yeah. Terrific. <laughs> Incredibly funny. And then film 88 after all. I didn't mention news because I never used to watch no, news. Didn't, didn't really like old Barry. You don't like Barry Norman? No, no, no. I thought he was all right, Barry. Thought he was a bit smug. <laughs> Your face. No, I could see why. No, I could. <laughs> 
I could perhaps see why, but I, I quite liked him. I suppose the thing is, because I didn't go to the cinema, <laughs> I was like, not really, not really seeing this. <laughs> so in terms of the news, uh, oh. I found some <clears throat> YouTube footage of that day, uh, and I only watched the first two items because it was too depressing and stopped after that. Because the first one was there were four British schoolboys killed in the Alps in Austria that slipped off some bloody mountain top and fell 600 feet. And apparently they ignored the teacher's warnings not to stray from path. Teachers were miles away, so yeah, a bit dodgy. And then there was a, a body found of uh, Shirley Banks, Bridgewater near Bristol. And the interesting thing about this is that it was back in the news this March in 2021 as the murderer, the guy who was subsequently found and convicted, John Cannon. He's due for parole next year. So he's serving three life sentences. The judge said he should never be released. Um, not guaranteed to get the parole, but, and I didn't know he was the prime suspect in the Susie Lampley murder as well. So fingers crossed he don't get out anyway. Um, in other news, this is when Thatcher was slim power. Mm. So back in January of that year, she became the longest serving prime minister uh, of the century, which is just, Horribly depressing as well. There was a huge house price boom. April, that was in the news. Uh, Sandy Lyle won the US Masters. I know you're not interested in golf and you're not going <laughs> to remember that, but I remember staying up to watch that. Sunday night, and he, on, the seven, on, the, on the last hole, his tee shot went in this bunker and he hit this second bunker shot onto the green. Phenomenal shot. Anyone that likes golf will remember. <sighs> Iconic shot. It's like listening to you describing a football match. That's coming. Sport, sport with balls. <laughs> Nurses were awarded a 15% pay rise. <clears throat> Blimey. I know. Those were the days, eh? Yeah. Unbelievable. And then uh, in the Littlewoods Cup, as it was in the League Cup, Luton, Little Luton beat Arsenal 3-2. It was a penalty save from Luton's keeper. And one of the scorers, Danny Wilson. <laughs> Wednesday legend. Video games. The top video games in 1988 was Operation Wolf. I didn't pay for video games. Don't remember that one personally. <clears throat> and Street Fighter. Everyone knows a bit of Street Fighter. And that's it. That's your 1988, really. Done and dusted. Very good. So all we've got left is our random single of the week. That's not a thing. It is. <laughs> oh, God. Although this one, this one's a bit different. I, I haven't, He's I've... even made it an acronym as well. <laughs> We're just trying to save time because it will be it's, last, it's last called Random SOTW. Well, you know why that is. Um, yeah, so this one didn't come to me. This one, a melody that I suddenly thought this was more of a word associating thing on one of your morning walks with my mate Paul. Mm. Hello, Paul, if you're tuned in. Sorry, he, Paul. He said something about it being a weird world. And it just, I just started singing. Maxi Priest's version of Wild World. Okay. Oh, baby, baby, it's a weird world. That's not the word. No, I know, it's Wild World. <laughs> so that is our random single of the week. I said I'd show it in there. Your random it's mine. single of yeah. the week, yeah. You remember the song, though? Yes. <coughs> Originally written by Cat Stevens. Yes. Didn't know that. Much better version. Take your word for it. I remember Max's version. 
1988, Tracy Chapman, done and dusted. Are we within the hour and a half? Probably I think not. we probably are. <laughs> I think we probably are. Woohoo! Only because you were forced to abandon your list halfway through. I wasn't forced to. I saw the sense in it, darling. And stop talking, otherwise we're going to be over the hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Next album then is going to be. Rick's going for a double. No, it's just one. No, but I mean, you, you picked one this oh, week, okay. and then you're going for another pick. Yeah, because we, we knew we were coming away on holiday. Our friends are with us. Uh, they've arrived to uh, David and Anne. And, um... They've been press ganged into joining us for the next edition. So, yeah, I've got a bit of research to do before they because they're only here a week, so I've got a, a week to squeeze a week's a week? worth of... You've got, like, two or three days, oh, tops. Oh, two or three days. That's not been that busy. Anyway, the album is, after my little Facebook poll, I put both... Wham albums up there, fantastic, and make it big and fantastic won by a huge 100%. Got 100% of the vote. Enormous voting numbers that joined in. Don't tell anyone. Two people. No, it was a bit more than that. It were a bit more than that, it were three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yes, Wham's Fantastic is our next LP. Get excited, people. I am absolutely thrilled about that. Um, it's a great album. Well, we'll find out, won't we? Hey, me and Naomi, and Anne apparently, can all do all the words to Wham Rap. <laughs> you never know, folks, you may just hear the <laughs> duet of Anne and Kate Wham Rapping. We'll see if we can make it I mean, it, it seems unlikely, but okay. No, no. Well, Anne doesn't drink, unfortunately, she? But let's see if she's willing. So thank I'm you. I'm not sure that I've ever been drunk enough to be recorded singing glam rap. <laughs> well, it could happen. It could happen. <laughs> thank you very much for listening. If you're still with us, we very much appreciate your ears. Um, you can find us on Twitter at memorabiliapod1 or just search memorabilia podcast. And we now are also on Facebook, aren't we, Kate? Yes, we are. And what are we on Facebook? Just. Just search Memorabilia Podcast. I think we're just at Memorabilia Podcast. I kept it simple. Fantastic. So, until the next time, thank you very much. And it's. uh... Don't do it. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. (laughs)